Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Thanks for joining us this morning. We're talking about mortgages and all things surrounding mortgages this morning. My special guest, Jeremy Devaney, Fairway Independent Mortgage. Special Thank guest. you so much. <laughs> You're a special guest. Um, Jeremy's been on the show several times now. And it's always wonderful to chat with you. You you are never short for words, and I have to do very little preparation when I come on the show with you. So. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad <laughs> thing, but it's always fun. That. It's always fun. You know, it's great to find people that um, enjoy what they do so much and can just talk about it without being without it being too structured. You know, and the conversations yeah. just flow, which is really nice. So, we apologize that we can't take call-ins this morning. We are pre-recorded. We both have young little ones, and it can be hard to get out on a weekend. And I actually do have travel, so. Um, Where are you heading this time? Anywhere warm? Actually, Florida, but just for like 36 hours for a work meeting and then coming back. Not too bad, though. Not too so bad. So not too bad, yes. Um, so we chatted a few minutes, well, before the break, mm -hmm. um, you touched on refinancing for a bit and you had a, a statistic that was um, interesting. And I, so I wanted to elaborate a little bit more on refinancing. Sure. And maybe things to be careful of. Sure, definitely. Too much cash out refinance, too much cash out and stuff like that. So what was that before the break? You had a statistic about a significant amount of people still haven't refinanced it, given I've, the low interest rates. Yeah, I've got to pull the, pull the article again for you, but it was recently published uh, approximately a third of all eligible uh, homes. So people that have mortgages that are currently above current market rates, approximately a third of them 
haven't taken advantage of refining to lower rates. Okay. So when and when just to clarify, when you say eligible, it doesn't necessarily mean they're eligible to refinance. It no, just poor means, choice of words. Yeah, yes. it just means that their the interest rates are higher than current market current market rate. rates. Likely by a significant margin, let's call mm-hmm. it a percent or something, because mm-hmm. if it was a quarter of a percent, would it even be worth it In some cases, to refinance? Yeah. But I guess it depends on the size of the mortgage and the duration. So some really interesting things. I was pl- playing around with some data for a client yesterday, and uh, some of the tools I have available to me are, are really interesting. They let me compare some, some mortgage options side by side and kind of play with the way that we use uh, savings. And in this instance, mm-hmm. I, I had... Talked to a prior client. We we bought a home a year ago with them, and they were really happy in what they have. And their credit situation improved a little bit, and yeah. they paid down the principal a little yeah. bit over time. And turns in one out, one year, in one year, that's great. In one year, you you yeah. can you can move yeah. the needle. Yeah. Um, and they have the opportunity today to lower their interest rate by a full percentage point. Last year, they purchased at 5125. This wow. morning, I quoted him out at 4125. And that's not just due to interest rates moving. That's due to their credit score improving and their credit their score improving. The interest lower. rate market yeah. definitely moved yeah. for, for them. Yeah. Um, it was a number of factors. But in this instance, it could save him $300 a month, which is meaningful. Yeah. Uh, total mortgage payment for him was approximately $4,000 a month. So relatively, yeah, it's you know, 10%. seven, seven, eight yeah. percent. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing that you could do, even if he was already comfortable with the payment, he he wants to get rid of keep this the, mortgage. Keep the payment and knock keep it off the earlier. Payment, yeah. The same. Take that three hundred dollars and drive it towards your principal. Yeah. Yeah. He would how, knock how many years? Five years yeah. off of his loan. I one of the, uh, the in the planning software that we use, there's an amortization tool where you can enter details of a loan, interest yeah. rate balance. Um, and and you can you can it will spreadsheet for you the amortization of the loan, which is month by month the principal and interest payments mm-hmm. and how the balance shrinks over time. And of course, at the beginning of a loan, it's almost all interest, and right, then you're right. no, you're knocking very little principal down at the beginning, um, and then toward the end, it's mostly principal. And and you in even small for a long loan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even small changes like that, a slight overpayments can be, be a significant factor in how right. quickly a lo- or so for this client, uh, just I, it's fresh in my mind, so I remember the numbers. If they just banked the cash flow savings in, in the rolling the transaction costs into the new loan value, so mm-hmm. everything that costs to execute the refi, most most of the time it's anywhere from twenty five hundred to four thousand dollars in total true costs. Yeah. And then you have prepaids and escrows that you have to refresh. Yeah. You you always the escrows are for you. But that's you know, not a cost, really. It's not a that's cost. Just, it's your money. Yeah, yeah. Um, but twenty five hundred to three thousand in that example, where where it's saving him three hundred bucks a month. Your break even in what? Yeah, eight, eight a year. Months. Even if it's even if he didn't overpay and it was another year on the the loan because he went from twenty nine right. years twenty nine years to thirty. But so um, you'll love this. In five so, years, yeah. he'll save eighteen thousand nine hundred dollars, and. If he takes the three hundred dollars a month and applies it to additional principal paydowns, he'll save almost twenty one thousand dollars over that same five years. Wow! And that's yeah. including the cost to execute the transaction. So, net net, right. it, yeah. it's a huge move. That's we would love spreadsheeting stuff together. Um, oh, I had a comment and I lost it. <laughs> no, I had a comment and I lost it regarding that refi. Um, no, oh, anyway, it'll come back. Well, to you, it'll sure. it'll it'll come back to me. 
Um, but one of the things I always talk with clients about regarding refinancing is just being careful to not continuously, you know, over time, stretching the loan out and stretching it out and stretching sure. it out. So when you're, you know, depending on the situation, when someone is considering a refinance, in general, you don't want to stretch it out much more than it's stretched out if you're trying um if your original loan was somewhat lined up to be paid off by retirement, which is just a good target for some people, it's not that your mortgage has to be paid off by retirement, but if it does line up with an approximate retirement date, you just want to be careful to not over time be stretching that out and stretching that out and then all of a sudden you're, you're never going to have your mortgage paid right. off by retirement. So you and I always um, have interesting conversations about this because there's a second school of thought that also says that you know, we really have to be careful about managing cash flow for a lot of our clients. So yeah. I see a lot of people that are trying to play catch up as they're approaching retirement. They yeah. haven't properly saved yeah. for their retirement investments and they're, they're, they have the ability to stretch out that mortgage for a longer period and lower their month to month mm -hmm. on their housing and take that savings and bank it elsewhere and 401ks, yeah. Roths, yeah. Uh, whatever the vehicle might be. And so it, it's it's three-dimensional chess. You, you've got to optimize for whatever financial goal is at play at that moment. Yeah, um, of course. You know, some of my clients, we were talking about this in our pre-call the other day, some, some of my clients are really struggling with the idea of, do I let my estate take care of the mortgage, you know, sell the house and extinguish the mortgage after I'm dead? Yeah. And because I can aff I can afford the monthly on it until I die, or do I try to pay it down? And just this morning had an interesting yeah. conversation around that. Okay, there have certainly been times, and I remembered my question, but I'll ask you later. There are there have certainly been times when I'm working with an older client who has a very limited ability to eliminate the mortgage anyway. Yeah, or if they yeah. or if they did, they would be sacrificing here and there to do it. And in those situations, I'm I'm totally fine with stretching it out yeah. and lowering the payments to increase cash flow and increase lifestyle. Yeah. Because if you're if it's not going to be eliminated to free up the cash flow anyway or if you're going to work too hard to do it and sacrifice and that doesn't make sense. Right. But yeah, there have been times, and I actually think I referred someone to you, you did. Um, in this situation where um, she's just working so hard to pay that mortgage down, she was on the older side, and it, we just eventually got to the point where, does it even make sense, right. or should you free up your cash flow, enjoy um, the years that you have left, and travel the way that you want to, and not worry about if how much equity your kids inherit when they when they inherit the That's home. exactly so, it. You know, yeah. one of my favorite things of working in the industry that we do and as an advisor, and I know you enjoy it as well, but challenging my own thought process and my own mentality about how I operate with money mm -hmm. and really trying to be empathetic to the client's goals. Because sometimes they might not map with the way that I would handle the situation personally. Yeah. But again, I might not be in their situation to deal yeah. with in the first place, yeah. right? So to be able to step out of your shoes or my shoes and really think about what's this client trying to achieve and how do we get them there? Yeah. And is that in the client's best interest? So right. you can offer that advice, but ultimately it's the client's choice, right? right? So let's talk about a couple of situations for a moment. Yeah. 
So younger um, couple, 20s, 30s, um, maybe buying their first or second place, um, take out a long mortgage. Free sure. up your cash flow so that you can have um, the cash to get your kids through daycare or start you know, pumping some money in your retirement plan. So I'm people on the younger side, I'm fully on board with take a long mortgage. Right. Time is your friend in that situation. Right. You're going to need the cash flow for other stuff. Kids can be expensive. You want to start building that nest egg because we want to be saving early and saving often. Um, Holds true on the investment side too, right? You can take more risk because you've got a longer sure. period to deal with it. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's interesting, the correlations that you see. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Let's fast forward 10, 15 years. So the same couple is um, 40, 45. Mm -hmm. Interest rates have come down. They're now in a position where they can refinance. Mm -hmm. In that situation, assuming they are able to contribute to retirement plans, they have been contributing to retirement plans, um, they can afford their life, they haven't accrued a bunch of debt, then if you're going to be refinancing in that situation and things are like, okay, elsewhere in your life, mm -hmm. try not to stretch it out too much because if you're on a schedule to have it paid off and reduce your expenses significantly in retirement, try to stick to that schedule and force yourself to do it. I'll challenge you on this one because just, okay. just this morning, I've got a purchase client. So a little bit different, but not totally. Yeah. They're 50. Yeah. 50, 50 and 52. Okay, if you're gonna bring up college then. Nope, Well, nope, we'll do that nope, next. next, we'll do that one next. Okay. I've, got, I've got an interesting one on that one too. Okay. 50 and 52, approaching retirement age. Uh, he's worked in law enforcement for years. They make good money. They're able to handle a larger mortgage payment if they wanted it. They were interested in a 15 year when they came to me. And they'll have pensions though, right? They'll, they'll, they'll have, have pensions, they'll have pensions. income. Yeah. It, but they were interested in 15 year because they didn't want to have a mortgage during retirement. Mm -hmm. Don't agree, don't disagree. It's his goal, right? My pushback or advice or challenge to the thought process is, what if you could take a 30 year and have a lower required parent payment over time, but you make the payment as if it's a 15 year while you have the capability? Right now you can see your income for the next five years while you finish off your law enforcement work and then you're gonna have pension income. Yeah. Your foreseeable future, you might not have any major health issues to deal with, so you've got income to deal with stuff. Make that larger payment, but don't commit yourself to it. Yeah, yeah. Because you could wind up in a cash flow bind. Yeah. And if you're in a 15 year and we're four years down the road, I might not be able to refi you out right. at these really attractive rates. Yeah. I think it depends on how tight it is though. Like if this person's mortgage payment was $3,000 a month for the 15 year. Which is disgustingly high. And I'm sorry. Just I don't know. Like, <laughs> let, let's say, let's Your income say, has to be really high these days. Let's say their payment is $3,000 a month to get, that, to get it paid off in 15 years. Yeah. If their free cash or their surplus of cash beyond that is another two or 3000 a month, then that's plenty of wiggle room in my mind so that even if, so in other words, going for the 15, if it doesn't make things too tight right. in the rest of your life. And you nailed it. They're, then I think that that's perfectly fine. And then they're going to be debt free in retirement, which just feels better. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm fully on board with um, in certain situations what you said. And I've recommended that in the past too. Don't stress yourself out by taking a short mortgage. Take the longer one. And if you can overpay it, overpay it. Overpay right. it. Yes, your interest rate is higher to take a longer mortgage. 
but in certain situations, if it provides you the breathing room that you need, mm -hmm. but also the flexibility to overpay it if mm -hmm. you have a good month, or you know, sometimes people on um, on unsteady incomes, commission-based incomes Variable and stuff, income, yeah. sales incomes that you know that that generally works better for them when in good months they can overpay it, and but they're but they're not strapped or forced this, to do. This so. family's law enforcement. He's got lar large chunks of overtime that flow through or there duty pay. Yeah. And, you know, you you nailed it though. Their debt to income ratio in this instance. So the the way that we analyze the risk in in your debt, how much of your your income that you're spending on housing yeah. is, is the debt to income ratio, and in this instance, it's extremely low. They make really good money. Yeah. So he, I have okay. no problem with him pursuing this strategy. Yeah. I just want to make sure he's comfortable signing up for the larger required payment sure. instead of optionally jo executed. Job it. security is part of that too. Sure. He probably has strong job security <laughs> and I don't know about his spouse too, but um, if if you're unsure about job security, then maybe don't force yourself into that yeah. that shorter, more higher payment. Um, but also the what's people that will have high pensions in retirement, so people that you know, teach for 30 years or are in law enforcement yeah. or you know firefighters and things like that that will have great pensions in retirement your recommendation to take the 30 and if and it actually no deal, and right? even if they don't pay it off before retirement their income their fixed income in retirement won't be that much less than their income now if they get their 30 years 30 years yeah. in and and then they'll be able to afford the mortgage payment in retirement anyway so yeah. coming at it from that angle um, you know not a, not a bad thing but i always come back to you know i still have a mortgage but I know that when I pay off other debts, car loans or whatever, it just feels great. Yeah. And so, you know, debt is an emotional weight and people just totally. feel better when it's totally. gone. And even if someone can afford a mortgage in retirement, they probably don't want it. So, you know, maybe a great, great point to insert. One, I don't get compensated by the kind of loan products that, that I wind up uh, issuing. Okay. So, you know, our advice is without compensation. So you're not compensated more for the riskier ones? No, that... <laughs> there's, 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 there's no, no compensation to, to yeah. put you in a 30 year versus a 15 year. Um, ultimately, I earn commission ba based on the size, the size of the loan, of the loan I, sure. I do. Yeah. Um, no different than a stockbroker getting commission sure. on the size of the ticket that they're we all have. We all have our conflicts of interest as right? long as we disclose them. We, we, we all have to yeah. get paid. It's a service-based industry. Yeah. But I, I wanted to be clear that my advice has nothing to do with being compensated on different products differently. Mm -hmm. So when we can look at it in this kind of black box where there's no outside influence, it's wonderful because we really can sit down and talk about goals. And as we just figured out, there's really no vanilla situation. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got something a little bit different. And I think it's, it's you know, professional... Uh, neglect or malpractice the way some people quote and forget their clients. I mean, you have to have a conversation with people and you mm -hmm. have to really take that time to understand before you provide advice. Or in some instances, people aren't even providing the advice. They're just a quoter. Yeah. Um, Same in my business. So it, it's, but that's where I really love what I do is being able to help people unpack this stuff. Because you're a people person. <laughs> I actually remembered my question from earlier, and now we're a little bit off topic, but I'm going to ask it anyway. We were, you were talking about overpaying the principal on a mortgage, yep. and my question was, if you're going to overpay a loan, 
does it automatically go to principal? Yes. Okay, or it's not. So the regulations combo? changed uh, coming out of the the downturn in 07, 08. Okay. Uh, so now there's no prepayment penalty, and the banks on any products on any product, any okay. any bank issued product on your primary residence, there okay. can't be on investment properties. There. They're structured differently, but if you're buying a typical one to four unit investment property, which is what I can issue, then it has to fall on the same standards. Okay. So no prepayment penalty. If you're dealing in commercial properties, totally different ball of wax. Okay. Um, so yeah, it, you can prepay at any point in time. If you sell the house and you have proceeds and you want to pay off the loan, you have to extinguish it when you sell the house, actually. Yeah. There's no yeah. collateral left. Yeah. Um, but if you come into a lump, lump sum of money, mom and dad pass away, and you get an insurance uh, benefit, you can turn around and pay down that mortgage. And it all goes to principal automatically. All you don't goes have to. to so you don't have to stipulate. I want this to go to principal. I always still do. I because I feel like I've seen. <laughs> I mean, this could be going back years, but I feel like I've seen on mortgage statements, like a column for overpayment amount and then you would have had to allocate it there there and I would, was like was, why would anyone ever go do yeah. interest unless they wanted the interest dedu the deduction which still doesn't make sense but so most of the you time you used to have to do that right yeah most of the time these days you don't see that anymore okay. so um, this could be years ago the online portals usually make it pretty seamless to okay. pop in an extra principal payment i don't know i'm, I'm hyper conservative you already know this about me financially like I still, in the memo line, if we're going to add an extra principal payment, I write pay to principal only, and you, you, you can yeah. do that still. It makes me feel better when I write it. Then there's like <laughs> never any question. If anyone comes back and questions it or if it gets allocated improperly, it wasn't your fault. You, you, yeah. You're no working on the MBA, right? A, a paper check is still a signed contract, right? <laughs> so it, it's... Uh, it, it, it's direction to the bank to pay it to principal, but if yeah. you do it online, it's really clear. Most of the bank portals, when you okay. do your online payment, has, has a section for it. Okay. Um, how frequently are people doing cash out refinancing? All the time, especially right now with the home values where they are. So does that worry you at all? It worries me because this, you know, pe people leveraging themselves too much is part of the reason for the Great Recession. That, um, the mortgage, I would the credit crisis that we had 10 years ago. Eight, I would disagree. 10, 12 years ago. I think part of, part of what happened, and mind you, I was working in the institutional space in that point, and so looked at it from a slightly different lens. But I think there was a lot of malpractice that took place sure. in 07, 08, a lot of fraud that took place. And um, we were talking earlier about appropriateness. If you could fog a mirror in 2006, if you, were, if you had a pulse, People would write a mortgage for you. Sure. And I'm, there was no right. ability to repay standard. Right. Um, a lot uh, of regulations have been put in place since. We don't see, um, you know, balloon payments attached to primary residence any, anymore. You rarely see interest-only loans being made. You can't have um, reverse amortization or negative amortization loans. So you could have a loan in 2006 that you made interest-only payments and you had the option not to make payments in months and it would apply that to your principal and like grow your principal. Like a reverse mortgage, yeah. Like a, like a reverse almost. Yeah. And then you would have a balloon payment that was due five years from inception. Yeah. So your loan balance grew over the five years because you weren't paying on it because you never had the income to pay for it to begin with. Well, that's the thing. People were, were more leveraged than they should have been. And I'm not saying it was necessarily always the buyer's fault. Yeah. Certain certainly mortgages were written very liberally back then, and, and, <laughs> and <of> anyone, 
could qualify. But, I think it was but, flat out fraud. But, but I think <laughs> the but I think the point is people were borrowing more money than they could mm -hmm. afford or they thought they could afford to borrow this money because people just assumed that their properties would continue to appreciate. They didn't yeah. foresee sweeping layoffs that, you know, that happened. Um, people didn't have, you know, enough to fall back on. So, but it all comes back to people were borrowing too much. So, to, who, to no matter direct, whose fault it was. To directly come yeah. at where we are today, it's extremely hard to qualify for a loan. That's yeah. not to say it's impossible, but you actually have to have credit. Yeah. You have to have a job. You have to have you, income stability of some sort. And you have to have equity in the property even after you borrow. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's, there's now something called the ability to repay standard. And that's, remember we we're talking about that entire chain of documentation about your income. Yeah. That's for us to be able to put it in a file and say, we verified sure, that they actually hold this job and make sure. this money. They need, you need to know that they're gonna pay it back. Right. Of course. And, and yeah. it's to prevent situations like that. You know, there's products out there, there's a product Mass Housing has right now in the market called the MHA 100. We issue it, I use it all the time in certain situations, but they actually allow you to take out 100% financing on a first time home. It's with income limits, it's with debt restrictions on it. So there's very stringent- Other sources of, are there debts you mean? Right, so again, debt to income. What we look at is monthly, what's your minimum payments across all your debt, mm -hmm. and monthly, what's your gross income? So, you know, self-employed, there's a slightly different calculation for income. We've got to look at it. Mm -hmm. It's really your adjusted net income on your 1040, Schedule C, Schedule K-1s, you know, all this fun stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you're geeking out on taxes. I know you want to talk about I do about love it. taxes. We're going to talk about that in a little <laughs> so, bit. So, um, really, there's strict requirements. We've always used a, a sort of eyeball of one-third of your income should be your housing ratio, mm -hmm. right? Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac right now say 45% is the maximum they'll allow you to carry. 45% for, of your Of income your gross income. Can go to debt and that's it. Can go to debt, including okay. your house. Okay. So if you think about one third as the house, you only can have 12% of your income going to other debt. Gross income? Yeah, gross income. That doesn't leave a whole lot left. It leaves 50. After 25% in taxes and 50% in debt. So you're totally fair. If you think about what that might look like for somebody with $100,000, right? A tax bracket, probably 28% tax bracket. Yeah, no, maybe. Tax brackets change. 20, 22, 24. 22, then 24. I forget. Is it 28? Is it the next one? You'd you know the day. I know. I call you know, my CPA. I had them down. I've got a great CPA if you need somebody. <laughs> I had the brackets down and then they changed on me. Um, so, you know, importantly, it's about a quarter. Yeah. Let's just call it a quarter. So 25,000 bucks out of your pocket, straight yeah. off the top, yeah. 100,000 bucks. So you've got yeah. $75,000 left. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac say, awesome, 40, 45 grand of that can, can go to housing expenses in a year. We're talking over a year, right? Um, so on a monthly basis, you're talking less than $4,000 a month of your cash flow mm -hmm. can go to debt. That still leaves, let's do the math real quickly, 60, 70, so $30,000 annually. Yeah, 30. yeah. So what, 2,800 bucks, 2,750, about 2,700 bucks monthly that you can drive towards savings. For the rest of your life. Um, pleasure, you know, putting it in, in investment accounts with, with Alyssa's wonderful I, firm. <laughs> I actually feel like that's high, though. I feel like the that if forty five percent of your 
gross income can go to debt, that just doesn't leave a whole lot for other stuff. So remember life. we were talking earlier about some people might not be eligible for refis right now. Yeah. There, there are a lot of people that are over levered in their personal yeah. lives. Yeah. It's not rare for me to see somebody come, come to me and, and the debt to income ratio is 50, 60, 70%. Oh. You know, on paper, yeah. they're, they're really approaching bankruptcy. Um, on, on cash out refinances, what are the, you just mentioned somebody can buy a home with, with no money down and 100% finance it, but what about on a cash out refi? What's the ceiling? How much equity they, they need to have in the property? 20%? So generally speaking, they need to have 20%. So you, you can take out a loan up to 80% of the current market value of your home. House values are at all time highs. So that might mean a significant dollar yeah. amount. Um, yeah. You know, it sells shore, I think a good example, um, let's go back five years, that's roughly the time frame that, that I bought my house. And average homes at that point were about $400,000 in our little, little tier of the South Shore here, you know, Norwell, yeah. Fitchwit, Marshfield, Duxbury. Yeah. You could buy, buy an average family home for about 400,000 bucks. Five years ago? Five years ago. Put 20% down, you've got a $320,000 loan. Today, that same house is probably worth about 600,000. That is crazy. Right? Really crazy, about 50% growth in home value. And it's not because we've got investors coming in and trying to flip this stuff or trying to run it for cash flow like you did in 06 and 07, and you're, you're not having people over levered. These, my clients are primarily primary home buyers. So you don't have the same level of risk going on. Um, so when you think about, now you've got a $600,000 house, but you've only got a, a $300,000 loan left on earth, $290,000 loan left on it. You have $300,000 yeah. of equity yeah. that that you could use in certain situations. And if you think about it, 20% skin in the game still, so you can take a loan out up to 80%. So you can take out a, help me do the math, $480,000 mortgage. And it's two ninety, so that's almost $200,000. Almost $200,000 that you can pull out and do, do whatever you need. So we can come back to this because I think yeah. it's a really important topic that we're seeing that's driving some of the housing decisions in our market. Uh, people making the renovate versus buy a, a move up home decision. Yeah, sure. Um, all right, let's take a break, we'll, yeah. but we'll come back to that. I guess I didn't realize that scares me a little bit. <laughs> But we can, we'll come back to that. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm talking this morning with Jeremy Devaney, Fairway Independent Mortgage. We're talking about mortgages and all that fun stuff. Um, we will take a break. We'll come right back. Mm-hmm. 